Have you ever wondered who you really are, underneath all the layers? When you see yourself through the lens of human design, you see your most authentic self. Join us on a journey of self-discovery as we dig deeper into topics relating to our spirituality. In this space, you will receive wisdom from us, Gemma and Chloe, as we guide you towards your most aligned life. Welcome to the Soundboarding on Human Design podcast. Yeah, 333 <laughs> is my spirit guide number. Oh, mine's and... 44. Oh, there you go. Yes, I see it everywhere. Just 44? 44 or 444, wherever fours are involved in that. I see you. I see you looking out for me. Yeah, that's so good. <laughs> yeah. I'm like that with threes and then more recently, so like my, my spirit guide that I met mm. like years ago was 333 like that was his number and then more recently I met a female spirit guide and she was eight so I see every single day I'm not even exaggerating if I go out of the house I will always see an 888 or a 333 or both wow that's so cool mostly on number plates it's really interesting that's what I always do with fours and 44 everywhere as well I love um, that. it's great I'm like I'm I'm sure like my mind is like more focusing on finding fours, but like I swear I just see them everywhere when I'm not looking as well. Um. Yeah, it's so weird because I, I always look at number plates. It's like yeah. and I'll always look for just triple triple numbers and I rarely ever see anything. Like I'll, I'll, I'll sometimes see a 222 and sometimes mm. maybe a 444, but it's mm. always three or eight. And that's so interesting that you always see the fours. So it's like yeah. It's for sure the angels and guides being like, hey, you're supported. We love you. We haven't forgotten about you. Please listen to our guidance. Yes. Tune in to us. Don't forget about us. Yes. Oh, I had this really um, cool experience where my car was completely out of petrol. I was on the yeah. highway. The next petrol station wasn't for like another 45 minutes. And I was on MT for so long before I got to the petrol station. Um, and wow. I was, please keep, like, it was on the way to my sister's wedding and I was like, I need to be there. Oh, no. Um, <laughs> you can't be <laughs> late to that. before her wedding, so it was oh, okay. still, um, <laughs> like, it was okay. But I was like, okay, like, spirit guides, like, count me, keep me on the road. Like, I need to get to the special station. I can't break down. There's no one around me. I'm like, the, I had driven, it was like a 10-hour drive. I'm like, there's no way I am breaking down right now. You have to the station safe. Um, and I did, and it was great. <laughs> and I'm like, this would net like a, a freak of nature. I think it was the spirit guides. It must um, be. Yes, exactly. But anyway, beautiful. <laughs> yes. Shall we get let's, let's started? Start All yes. right. Okay. So, welcome, guys. Today we are discussing the houses. Um, we have decided that we want to break down, um, all the different aspects of a birth chart so that you guys can potentially kind of do your own basic interpretation of your own birth chart. Um, and there's three components in a birth chart. There are the houses, there are the planets, and then there are the signs. So today we are focusing on the houses. Yes. Hello. Chloe, everyone. do you want to tell us? Sorry, Chloe, I should have mentioned that you were here too. <laughs> How rude of me. We are talking about the houses. Um, just, Do you want to tell us what the houses are? Yeah, the houses are awesome. Um, the houses represent the different areas of life 
um, like where the planets and signs are going to be situated. So there are 12 houses um, and each, yeah, so each of the houses represent this different area of life. And as Gemma said in the previous podcast, it's like a, a pie. Um, so if you're looking at a circle um, divided into these equal, 12 equal parts, then from the first house to the 12th house, the first house is right on the horizon. Um, so the one cutting straight through the middle of the circle. And it's really like the houses kind of tell a story as they go around the circle as well. Like the first house is looking at the area of life from a more personal perspective all the way through the areas of life to the 12th house where it's more a collective consciousness perspective. And I don't know, I think the houses are really amazing. Like you can look at a birth chart without houses and it would just be so abstract there would be no actual experiential way to see how to see what area of life the signs and planets are going to play through so it's really important to know the houses this is where sign is going to be expressed um yeah so if you look at the houses as well like you can see the houses below the horizon, below this point in the middle, um, is the ascendant-descendant line. That is more the inner expression of yourself compared to the the houses from 7 to 12 expression out in the world, which kind of makes sense if you think about, like, this was these planets are below the horizon, these signs are below the horizon compared to the ones that are above the horizon. Um, mm. And, like, for me, I have most of my planets below the horizon, so it's more internal, my idea, um, what people can't really see, like the internal functionings and more prominent factor of my life. What about you, Gemma? Mine's also bottom heavy. I call it top heavy or bottom heavy. So yeah, nice. you and I both have bottom heavy charts. Yes. I was looking at my twin brother's chart today and they mm. have all their planets above. Oh, interesting. Um, Can you really so see that? Very different. As well? Yeah, I think so. Definitely. They're, they're both Aquarius suns. Um, Aquarius moons as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so it is, and they've got a lot of friends. They're very popular. So it's kind of more about, <laughs> you know, um, the outward appearance or, or life in the world as opposed to like going deep within. Not that they, they wouldn't, but it's just, yeah, you can definitely see it's a different story for a top yeah, heavy child. Sure. Yes. And I feel like, I mean, for both of us really having this really bottom heavy chart, as you call it, um, <laughs> life is very um, introspective mm. and, yeah, just a lot of time consumed in the internal world and um, inner functionings of how everything works compared to as much as other people, I yeah, people that have that, I don't know, more visible life. Mm. So interesting. I love it so many different aspects of the chart but that is it is a cool one to see like where are most of your planets in your chart and if they are more in one area there's also the the eastern and western hemispheres as well um and something else (laughs) yeah i don't Um, know too much about that i don't know too much about that but definitely the the most important the bottom yeah so it's cool because it's like the first house is really from where you were at your point of view area and the where the sun was or 
where the horizon was, I mean, and then under the horizon from that area. So someone that's born at the same time, but they live in Australia is going to have a totally different layout of their chart compared to someone that was born in. Mm. Um, so I think that's very interesting. Yeah, it is. Should we mention as well, angular houses? So like the the angles. That's a good idea. So the angular houses are probably the most important houses in the chart and they Mm. are the first house, which is where our ascendant is found, our rising sign. Mm. Then the seventh house, which is across from that, which is where the descendant is. And then the 10th house, which is where our midheaven is, which is Mm -hmm. uh, a lot to do with how we are perceived in the world. And then directly opposite that, down the bottom, is um, the fourth house, and that's where our IC is. And our IC is um, a lot to do with our ancestors and our past lives and our family and our roots and um, Mm. where we came from. So those four houses, the first, fourth, seventh, tenth, are going to be the most prominent houses in a chart. And if you have planets in those areas, it's like a very loud voice in your life. Whereas, yes, um, you know, for example, the third house, it's what we call a cadent house. It's not as influential. It's not as uh, big of a, of a deal. Um, Unless you have lots of planets in that house. Yes. And a strong yes, focus. Yes. But it is really the first house planets would be um, magnified. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. Definitely. Yeah, but surely and when planets are transiting the, the angles as well those four angles um they'll that'll be major shifts in your life especially as well oh gosh really transits we haven't we haven't talked about transits much have we we should probably do an episode on that too no it's so interesting we should definitely do that transits forecasting <laughs> yes 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 yeah, so did you want to start um talking to us about the first house Gemma? sure i would love to so We begin with the first house and the first house is the house of the self. It's our identity. It's our body and our physical appearance as well. Um, And as we mentioned, it is a very important house because it is, it is the, the start of the chart. So our ascendant is always in our first house. And that's kind of like where the story starts, where um, kind of like how our story plays out and the theme of our story. So I like to look at look at it as though the first house is kind of like the the setting for our life. Like if our life was a play, mm. um, the first house would be the setting. So I have a Virgo ruled first house. So the way that I view the world and the way that my life is set is a very Virgoan situation. Yes. Whereas Chloe has a Libran um, first house. Yes. And so it's a, you know, it's a different kind of story, a different setting. Yes. And I myself in a different way to the way that you express yourself as well. Because I mm. think that it's quite first house, how people see you and how you, yeah, how you um, show yourself off to the world. Yeah. And how you, yeah. and how you navigate and view the world. As yeah. Well. Like what's your lens? Like I've got Virgo glasses on, whereas you have Libra glasses on. Yeah. I have rose colored glasses. <laughs> <laughs> you do. Yes. But it's interesting. What'd you say? Um, 
I said Virgo rising is cool. Tell me how you experience having Virgo rising. Mm, good, good question. So, gosh, um, I'm very earthy and grounded in the way that I love things to be organized and mm. I need to plan. I'm, I'm the kind of person that I'll wake up and I'll need to do my to-do list. Mm-hmm. Um, I love knowing what I'm doing in advance. Um, and I also love being of service. So the way that I view the world is kind of like the way that I feel safe in the world is in my setting of my play is if everything's in its place. If my, if on my set, there's no, everything isn't organized and it's not in its place and it's not planned. I won't feel safe for my, Mm. my play to start. Yes. I love that. What about you as a little Libran (laughs) chick? (laughs) Um, (laughs) um, I need to have really good relationships with the people around me. Um, Yeah. If I have great people supporting me and I'm supporting them, that um, reciprocity in my life always, Um, if I didn't have that, I feel awful. Um, (laughs) I would feel like I couldn't navigate my life properly. Um, But I also feel like with my Libra rising, I, I come across as someone who is like very friendly um, and is, and I need people to be friendly back to me as well. <laughs> Otherwise, I get really <laughs> like I get. Um, <laughs> and, um, but also, yeah, I mean, I do value my appearance. I suppose, unfortunately, I wish I didn't value it as much. But I know that that's not a bad thing. If I'm looking perspective, I just like feeling beautiful, um, and I like having beautiful things around me. <laughs> as well (laughs) so on your set yeah um you need like if we're you know using this analogy it's like you need a beautiful set you need the most pretty costumes and the pretty lights and the the backdrop (laughs) and then also you need all the characters on your set to be friendly and you need to have a lot of characters that you can relate to and calming people around me yes yeah (laughs) yeah which is nice as well yes um but and you have and when you have planets in the houses yeah quite strong and especially if it's in your first house and you have venus in your first house right i have jupiter on my ascendant in the first house okay yeah sorry so um somewhere else yeah venus is in my second house okay sorry (laughs) yeah that's okay but jupiter Um, in your first house so that's even more Virgo-ness you need. I feel like yeah. you always like, exempl- I don't know, amplifies everything. So I think so too. And I think yeah. that Jupiter accounts for my, uh, there's a lot that it accounts for in my personality. Like I can be very, um, I, can, I have a bit of an addictive personality and I can struggle to stop. So like if there's a chocolate cake on the table, I will eat three pieces, whereas everyone else has only eaten one. Um, and if I, um, like if I'm drinking, I'm getting better now that I'm a bit older, but you know, when Mm. I was younger, it's like, I know that if I have a drink, I'm not, I'm going to have 10. It's very hard for me to, to stop myself because Jupiter is the planet of like growth and expansion and like, you know, it amplifies Mm. things. So, Mm -hmm. um, it can lead to like over amplification and that has been a bit of an issue for me. Um, yeah, interesting. True. Yeah. 
but the the good thing about Jupiter on the ascendant is that I do come across as very optimistic and um, friendly, and um, I think Definitely. there's a lot of intensity in my chart. And thank God, Jupiter is there because I think yeah, Jupiter. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> thank God. Yeah, thank you, Jupiter. We love Jupiter. <laughs> thank you, Jupiter. Love yes. you. Yes, for sure. Okay, I love that. Um, well, can you talk about the second house? Before we do, I wanted to give an example. I thought we should give an example of each. I mean, we yes. just did in, in, in my chart and in yours, but um, an example. Do you have another example? I do have another example. So um, I mentioned before that the first house can kind of dictate our physical appearance as well, and it's mm-hmm. so interesting because if you look at um, – like, for example, celebrities and stuff that um, look, look at their rising sign, there is so many parallels between, you know, Leo risings. There's a, as a stereotype that Leo risings usually have quite big hair. Um, <laughs> and even my face, like I'm a Virgo rising, I feel like my face, it just looks Virgo. Like I don't even know what that means, but like just very like, I don't know. Um, I don't know how to explain my face. It might be easier for someone else (laughs) to explain it, but a nice face structure. Yeah. Like maybe and like kind of like skinny bony, like, um, and then my friend Mm. who has Venus on her ascendant in the first house in Mm. Taurus. It's so interesting whenever I see Venus on the ascendant or in the first house, Mm. they're always very pretty and Mm. she's so like pretty and sweet. And her face is just like, (laughs) <laughs> just so like beautiful and like yeah um sweet to look at and that's just so venusian like, yes you know, sure. beauty and love and um yeah so it's always very interesting to look at your rising sign and then also look at the planets if you have any and that will influence not only your identity but it will also often influence your physical appearance yeah it's it's so interesting hey having <laughs> how the chart can actually influence your appearance i can even see like um can influence your appearance a little bit almost um but maybe that's because it's the style that you are projecting with your son um yeah that's true yeah I don't know I've just like seen that are very like solidly built and like can you can tell they're fiery it's like the thick hair and the big eyes and yeah (laughs) yeah I don't know what it is I'm like I just know you're a fire sign um (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> yeah and even I think like for you for example like you're mm. Aquarian and my sister she's Aquarius rising mm. there's something about the way you guys are that it's just like you we know that you're unique like you don't yeah in a good way yeah. it's like you just just your appearance the way you dress the way you carry yourself it's like you're cool you're different you're unique like it's yeah it's, it's very I can definitely see the Aquarians yeah it's I yeah. think because Aquarians need to express themselves in some way like I swear all Aquarians have cool tattoos um <laughs> yeah true. Um, you have cool you have cool tattoos my sister does yeah yeah I don't know it's my like brothers do actually need yep. to rebel against um the status quo I mean I think tattoos are very status quo now but anyway <laughs> yeah. um, <laughs> yes but that's a cool example but do yeah, you want to do house two yeah I'll move on to the second house so so moving on we get to the second, which is all about your values, but also like the area values, but also resources. So the second house really works on, like there's two sides to the second house. 
there's one that's like the more external material side of it, which is especially focusing on money. So if you look at what sign you have on the second house cusp or like the planets that are there, you can see what you value, what you think is worth spending on, um, how we deal with money and make money and value money. Just like I feel like second house, very money focused, Mm, (laughs) but also any material values um, that like symbolize your worth in a more tangible way. So the things that yeah we spend our money on, so our possessions um, and our income, you can kind of see in the second house way as well. Um, And that second house is also related to security because of course money is related to your security um that we can look at like your self-security and your self-value and how you see like the personal side of the second house related to your worth so yeah that sense of inherent value you have within yourself um and yeah self-esteem I suppose but I think you can really find what skills and talents you have here um I don't know if, if you've been able to see that in different charts but I think that is a major part of the second house, the skills and talents. Um, mm. And like being able to use the those qualities of, of the sign or the planets to your advantage really with the second house. Like, for example, um, I have a friend that has a huge second house stelium. Um, she's just got and like all of her personal planets in the second house. And wow. she is so motivated to make money for herself. Um, shout out to Danny <laughs> if you listen to this. <laughs> she like super entrepreneurial spirit. So that motivation to want to make money for yourself, like not going through someone else. Um, yeah. And then being like personally rewarded for her own efforts. So I think, yes, yeah, someone with a lot of second house energy, that would be like a natural reaction from that being like, how am I going to make my own money? How is yeah this going to, personally then increase my worth and then the more that will add so much value to her self-worth when like being successful in that area yeah and that kind of drive for success yeah yeah I totally see that yeah so yeah what, you have venus in the second house i do what, what's that like for you see this is it's interesting in my own chart i feel like venus in the second house in libra is the one thing that i haven't quite um I'm not quite certain as to how it manifests mm. for me. Like I'm still discovering it. Mm. Um, but I think it could be related to like having Venus there. Um, a lot of the time I, I'm not left without. So mm. um, I was telling Chloe before we started recording that, um, yeah, a lot of the time it's like the universe kind of makes a way. And I think it could be as well because I believe it. So it's like I believe Mm. That even if I'm running low on money, um, the universe will make a way and I'll somehow make some money and it will just, it'll all come together. Um, and throughout my life, I think I've been very blessed and I'm very grateful that I've, I feel like um, having Venus just there. Looked after. Like, yeah, I feel, I feel looked after and, and it could be also my mindset. Um, you know, if you believe that you'll be looked after, then a lot of the time you will. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I think that's how it plays out for me. But I'm still, I'm still discovering, discovering it. I mean, do you feel like you value things that are beautiful? Oh, as yes. Well? And yeah, don't, that... don't you have a really beautiful like living space? Well, 
if you do if you say so um, <laughs> I, think so. I think that that would also be a interpretation of second house venus yeah you're um, right actually yeah, yeah it's like the material my, my material plane like you want that beautiful. to be beautiful and that links up as well into my human design my um cognition vision. is out of vision yes and so for me they those two those two things link up because it means that if I'm in a beautiful space then I feel so mm. just at home and comfortable and dude that's definitely being a second house like yeah. your mystery is solved <laughs> yeah yeah true I think I always I think the reason why I was confused is because you know it's like whenever where you you look for Venus in your chart mm. and that's kind of meant to signify your relationships. So when I first got into astrology and I saw Venus in the second house, the, the most literal interpretation I could think of for that was like, you know, someone who in relationship loves to be given gifts and like doted on and, you know, to be provided mm. for and given money. And I'm not like that at all. Like I'm, my mm. love language isn't gifts at all. My love language is physical touch. So I think I was confused by it. With that I was like oh that's not really me but yeah I can see now yeah it's the dots are coming together but as we will tell your audience there are different ways to look at love in a chart yes which we will get to not just your Venus <laughs> yes we will get to that yes like I have um Chiron in the second house and I think that manifests as me buying spending all my money on self-help courses <laughs> try to heal yourself (laughs) Um, but also like definitely issues self-worth issues (laughs) and knowing my value issues Mm. um undefined heart because Chiron is here to you know to heal that heal that stuff so I'll be able to get over it and teach other my life lessons um so it's nothing nothing's a bad thing okay so after second house we move to third house Yes. So the third house is all about education and learning, mm. um, the mind and communication. It's also It also can be about siblings. Um, so if you're looking for an area in your chart that signifies your siblings, the third house is the one. Mm. Um, and the example that I have for this one is um, one of my brothers has – his son and Saturn in the third house in Aquarius. Um, And he, when we were growing up, he was like the second dad of the family. He felt so (laughs) responsible for his siblings um, and he would just parent us constantly. So, and he he still even does it now. Um, So I thought that was a very literal interpretation of the sibling element. Yes. Yeah. Saturn wants to take responsibility and son is the identity. And exactly. ruling over the area of siblings. Yes, I love that. Yeah. That's very cool. Um, yeah. yeah. I suppose it's also um, just like any area of life where where information, as education, learning, information is being transported or given to you. Um, oh, my gosh, this background noise. I'm so sorry. Um, <laughs> <laughs> and I was thinking if you had planets transiting through the third house as well, you probably get inspired to want to make a podcast or yeah. <laughs> start a blog or um, social media or something. Wanting learn to learn something new. Yeah, wanting to learn, like be like, it's time to start a short course because third house is more shorter term learning yes. as well. Is it? And like is early it learning. Early learning, yeah. Yeah, so it's your like early high school, school environment. primary school. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Yeah. Interesting. 
I also did have an example of that um, the, that element of the third house, and that is in my chart. Mm. I've got a stellium in the third house in Scorpio. Mm. Um, I've got my sun, Mars, and Pluto all conjunct pretty closely in the third house. So mm-hmm. for me, um, it is funny because Mars is there and I have there's five kids in my family. So I feel like that is quite literal as well. It's like <laughs> yes. a big family, like a yes. you know, a lot of siblings. Um, but then also I've always been like a teacher's pet. I love learning. I did well at school. I'm very driven mm. by knowledge. And I think with Pluto there as well, Pluto is the planet of, you know, transformation. Mm. And so for me, knowledge, you know, the third house element of knowledge um, that helps me transform mm. is what I'm so attracted to. So um, that's how it manifests in my chart. Yes. Yes, I see that. I also have Pluto in the third and such a teacher's pet. Oh, my gosh. Such a <laughs> And we're both mental projectors, so that also is important to mention. Yes, and such an obsession with um, getting as much information as possible Mm. with that, wanting to learn things. Um, So interesting. Yes, I I think the third house is really cool Um, but almost dangerous because it would also rule like social media as well, I think, and having Mm. Pluto there, it's like obsession with social media sometimes mm, or that's a good point habits. actually I have not thought of that and I do struggle with my phone a lot of the time yeah turn it off like, and mm, just that get off it the addictiveness of being like but there's still more to learn there's still more to catch up on yeah um, and not having that because Pluto will just keep going um <laughs> yeah. especially in Scorpio for you yeah that, oh my god that's a lot <laughs> fucking hell it's full on yes Yes. Um, okay. So then we reach, <laughs> then we go to the fourth house after this. So the fourth house is the start of the I, the IC is marks the start of the fourth house. So that immunum, I don't even know how to say it. Coli. Immun- yeah, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. The, the bottom of your chart. Um, <laughs> so the fourth house is like the house of your foundations. So it's the very bottom of your chart. So because it's at the very bottom, it more represents like your core, like the deepest part of you, um, the, that foundational part of you really, and your emotional self. But it also represents your family, your roots, your past and your early emotional environment um, and really asks us what the impact of the past is on your emotions and the relationship with your family from your perspective because I think we can look at it like I don't know if you have a Virgo on the in the fourth house you could say like oh that means your childhood was really structured but maybe Mm. it was just structured from because we're looking at 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 all the houses from the from your perspective not from like maybe from your parents perspective it wasn't really structured it just felt like that from you it's like how because the whole chart is a manifestation of how it feels for you, I would say. So Yeah, definitely. Like um, I have Capricorn on my fourth house, ruling my fourth house. So like for me, my family felt very traditional, like a very traditional Australian mm. family, stay-at-home mum, working dad. Um, I felt like a lot of expectations from my – that I think were more – 
my projections of expectations and they weren't really on me, but more from like my sisters being very intellectually talented and then me putting that pressure on myself. But probably from an outside perspective or if I was someone else, I wouldn't, it wouldn't have seemed that much pressure. It was just me having that Capricorn influence. So whatever yeah. you sign you have there, it's this, the perception of what your childhood was felt like for you. Um, and especially as well, the fourth house is around your mother as well. That's, that's a thing, right? Especially in traditional yeah. astrology. Yeah. Um, or like unhealed emotional issues and family trauma, that kind of thing. Yeah. Um, would say also around like emotional nourishment and your home and your your literal home like not just <laughs> your childhood home but also like how you like your living space now yeah um yeah do you what do you have on your fourth house my fourth house is very influential i've got my moon mm. in sagittarius um on my ic in the fourth house so mm. oh yeah hugely influential for you massive for me yeah so i'm you guys can probably even tell listening to this i talk about my family a lot um <laughs> so i'm very family focused i'm very yes. home focused but mm. the funny thing is that so sagittarius is the sign of the traveler and i've got my moon in the fourth house ruled by Sagittarius. So the way that that has manifested for me is that I move a lot. When I was growing yes. up, we lived in 30 different houses. No, um, Yeah. That's and insane. I know wow. and it's crazy. And I've lived in like, you know, since I was an adult, I've lived in probably eight different houses. Wow. Um, so it's li- very literal. Like <laughs> my, the house that rules home is, um, influenced by very traveling energy so I just I love moving around a lot and that that nourishes me because it's my moon it's what nurtures and nourishes me Mm. which is interesting because you'd think that it'd be very unsettling and uprooting and maybe one day I'll I'll come to the realization that I need to just (laughs) stop moving but Mm. for me every like year or two I just it feels right to move yeah interesting very interesting um I feel the same at the moment but I don't know where that would come in my chart either because I yeah like Capricorn fourth house you would think I would need more stability but I think it's from different parts of your chart as well like my yeah Uranus sun um and transits as well and transits for sure yeah no it's it's so interesting so if you look at your your birth chart now and you see um a sign on the cusp of your fourth house and you wonder how that relates to you there's so many different ways it can be interpreted um <laughs> so it is cool when the literal interpretations come out like with you having jupiter there and having a big family um Mm. um, but sometimes it's it's different it's not gonna be exactly what meets the eye exactly and there's so many other voices in the in the chart as well that it's yeah it's just might be influencing it in different ways yeah yeah you can't like it's not black and white it's not one size fits all it's very unique to you and your chart Yes, but like main thing I think about when I think of the fourth house is home, family, yeah, roots. That's it. Yeah. yeah. What about the fifth house? So the fifth house is my favorite house. Fifth house. house. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's the house of romance, love, fun, art, and creativity, and children. Mm. So all the fun things. Um. 
And I thought that I would use the example of you in this because you have a very um, full fifth house. I do. So Chloe has an Aquarius stellium in the fifth. So she's got her sun conjunct Uranus and Jupiter. Conjunct means close together with. Mm -hmm. Um, And so I think for you the way that that has manifested is like because the fifth house is the house of pleasure, you, there's a lot of pleasure that you find in community, you know, Aquarius, mm. very communal energy. And then it's funny that you also work with children, um, doing support work for children. And then as well, I was thinking it was interesting that at the moment you're working with children that are kind of labelled as different and mm. that's the, the Uranus, the Uranian energy influencing there. It's like you not only work with children but you work with children that are labelled as different as well. Yeah, I'm really living out my chart right now. <laughs> yeah, you totally are. <laughs> In like all aspects. It's so funny. Um, not on purpose, I swear. Um, just a little bit. <laughs> but, yeah, it's, no, I love, I love the joy in the fifth house for sure. I feel just how much I thrive. I mean, obviously we all thrive off having fun. But if I – having my son here, if I don't – have enough time for fun in my life or if I don't like prioritize it I'm like oh my god I feel like my life force is completely drained like I mm. I need to have that childlike influence because the fifth house yes fifth house is so inner child like how can you nourish your inner child in the fifth house um which is so nice yeah <laughs> so important everyone yeah. can learn yeah. from the fifth house and everyone can and we yeah. all like obviously we all have all the houses in our charts so it influences all of us just maybe it'll like lean a bit more one way if you have more planets in it exactly um, yeah yes for sure and that the what was i going to say yeah needing to be creative in the fifth house as well is really and self-expressive mm. so it's very interesting like all of the houses will kind of assign to a sign as well um so, like, the fifth house has a Leo flavor to it, um, which is cool. Like, it's obviously Leo and fifth house is different, but they have similar energies. So yeah. that that Leo um, self-expressive energy is, is cool for the fifth house. Yeah, definitely. And then yeah. people that are Aries rising, if we're talking about a whole sign chart, mm. have an advantage because their the energy of their houses matches up with the signs so well. Yes. Yes, lucky them. Very lucky. Um, <laughs> I was also going to use the example of my chart because I have got a stellium in the fifth house as well in Capricorn. So I've got, mm-hmm. well, if you count the North node as a, as a planet, which yeah, really, it isn't thinking. really, but, um, you still count it. Yeah. Um, so I've got North node conjunct Neptune and Uranus in the fifth house ruled by Capricorn. Mm-hmm. And I thought this was interesting. I was thinking about this today. Um, so when it comes to romance and love, mm. I'm, I'm queer. And with Uranus there, that's quite literal as well. It's like the way that I love and the way that I look at romance is quite Uranian. It's different. It's I'm not attracted to men. Like it's, it's a very different kind of energy. Um, mm. And then. Oh, my gosh, that's so true. I also have Uranus there and I'm like, who cares about gender? Um. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, it's very interesting. I've always wondered um, 
people that are queer, like how, if it does manifest in their chart and if it does, then how, how does it manifest in their chart? Yeah. And I think for me, yeah, Uranus in the fifth is probably the biggest indicator. Um, Mm. But yeah, I'm very interested to know um, if anyone's listening and they're queer and they have another indicator, I would be very curious to find out. Yeah, for sure. That would be such an interesting conversation. Mm. Love to know. Yeah. Um, And then before we move on to house six, um, the other thing that I was thinking about with those placements in Mm. my chart is, so I've got my North node in Capricorn and when it comes to children, so I've got a daughter and Mm. it's, when she was first born, I was very much parenting her from my south node. So I have a cancer south node and I was very overprotective. I was very overnourishing mm. and nurturing in a way that was probably detrimental to the way that I was bringing her up because I was, you know, maybe codependent would be the word. It's like mm-hmm. just like not wanting her to experience any pain at all, mm. um, which wasn't healthy and it wasn't sustainable. And now that I'm moving more into my North node, my Capricorn North node, I'm moving away from that over, overprotective parenting style. And then I'm kind of moving into encouraging more independence for both of us, which is very Capricornian. And probably feels really good for you if it's in your North node. Exactly. It feels yeah. right. Yes. Yeah. That's very cool. Cause Capricorn and fifth house, I'm seeing like feeling quite contrasting energies oh my god <laughs> Capricorn cool. is so serious and yes it's and meant to be there. it's just like joyful <laughs> exactly and that's why I I definitely need to admit that I struggle having fun sometimes like I can be very serious and mm. it's like how do I have fun like it's, sometimes <laughs> I forget you know um yeah you gotta be so, around fifth house people then yeah which is why I'm so glad we're friends Chloe yeah same you're, you're a good influence <laughs> on me yeah, let loose. Um, <laughs> love that. Um, okay, and now for the sixth house. So the sixth house is the area of work and service, but it's also about well-being and everyday activities and routines. So it's got that Virgo kind of energy to it. They say that you can all the trades here, which you need to learn and master to other people in the sixth house as well and so it's more the physical application of how you serve assist or help other people um like for example working in trades or on the body with like massage or doing nursing some kind of physical application of how you are helping also about daily routines and schedules and like time management or organizational abilities so People that have strong sixth house just need to be really careful not to overgive them their energy and time and like have those strong boundaries because mm. it would be quite easy for them to overwork and to overgive. Um, I know it's also about being health conscious and just wanting to take care of the body. But yeah, can you think of um, a sixth house example? Yeah, I'm just thinking about a friend that has her moon in the sixth house mm. along with maybe Chiron and another I think maybe I can't remember exactly um mm. there's something else there but she she struggles with um so with Chiron and the moon it's like 
the moon means that she's nurtured by creating structure and routine and really good habits in her life. But then with Chiron mm-hmm. there, she f- really struggles with doing so. And she feels mm-hmm. as though uh, if she's not, she, she can be quite extreme with the routine. It's like either she's really doing a lot of her practices and getting up early and doing yoga and um, feels good. But then when she's not doing that, she feels really shitty. Um, and so for her, I think in this lifetime, it's about creating the balance. It's, you know, it's, it's a Libra moon. Mm. So about creating the balance um, and having a really great routine, but then also it being a rhythm, not a fixed thing that is so like anal and like if I don't do this and this and tick this off then my day's ruined or that I'm you know I'm not haven't been productive like yeah just finding that balance and not being so extreme yeah I can imagine I can imagine Kyron would really make it hurt if she isn't following those routines yeah But, but then Libra would would want to be chill about it and in the sixth house would want to whip it into shape so that's what tricky combination (laughs) yeah it's it's a big thing for her yeah i can imagine um i have pisces ruling my sixth house and i have my south node there so that is kind of difficult as well because that's the opposite placement pisces is um on the pisces virgo axis so yeah it's kind of tricky having it there it does make it hard with boundaries for sure. Um, and it was interesting. I don't know if I said this on said this on the podcast before that I did nursing after high school and that is a very like Pisces sixth house placement. Mm. Seventh house. Cool. So the seventh house is the house of relationships and marriage and partnerships of any kind. So it can be career partnerships, mostly romantic partnerships though. Um, and I'd say that every time I see someone's chart who has a lot of planets in the seventh house or a sun in the seventh house or a moon in the seventh house is very relationship focused, um, almost like without a doubt, it's never failed to be true. (laughs) Yeah. It's, it's, um, yeah, like there, you know, especially if your son's there, that can be like your worth can be really feel really defined by your relationships and if you're single you can feel a bit lost um and you know having a healthy relationship and um focusing on your partnership can bring a lot of like joy and fulfillment and um satisfaction yeah for sure with a lot of seven past planets that wasn't in a relationship or didn't have great relationships would have um just that would really affect their well-being a lot um even more than everyone like obviously as humans we all need people but for them it's like this by my life um yeah (laughs) need to have a good partnership so that would be really tricky yeah definitely i'm thinking of what would be an interesting placement to have on the seventh house maybe um gemini on the seventh house and needing to connect with your partner on a really intellectual level, be sharing ideas, maybe. You'd need a really stimulating partner. Really stimulating, really chatty all the time. Just Yeah. 
Actually, yeah, I do would... know someone who's got a seventh house son in mm-hmm. Gemini on the descendant. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, they, from what I know about them, they do um, kind of need to have a partner that can talk with them a lot. If there's not a lot of communication and talking um, and stimulation, yeah, then they're not happy. So it's interesting. Very interesting. Yeah, I can, I can imagine. Oh, um, and the eighth house. So from the seventh house, we've like moved on from this one-on-one partnerships and marriage. And then we go into the eighth house, which is the house of transformation. Um, and the eighth house, I mean, they call it the eighth house of transformation, but it rules many things. It rules money and sex and death and taboo topics. And control is a big theme of the eighth house. So people with a lot of focus on the eighth house probably go through a lot of changes in their life, emotional, psychological, material changes, and be able to bond, really have this desire to bond with someone on a very deep emotional level. Mm. Um, Nothing surface level is... Um, What else is eighth house? So I know on a material level it's about sharing money and possessions with someone else. Yeah. So if you have a eighth house transit, it can mean that, um, you know, you're going to kind of join financially with someone or mm-hmm. start, it can even mean like, you know, starting a business and then like having shared assets with your business partner or um, it can also be inheritance. So like coming into yes. money as well. Yes. Or maybe going Taxes. deeper into your relationship than you were before and maybe having a shared bank account. Yeah, um, yeah. Eighth house move, um, or moving in together. That could that could be yeah. a thing. Um, it's a very that, um, comprehensive house, isn't it? It's very. There's like, a lot involved. Yeah. Whenever I see eighth house placements, I'm a bit like, oh, okay, this is going to be a bit of analysis. <laughs> like, it's not simple, yeah. you know. You yeah. see the seventh house, you're like, oh yeah, I know this. This is easy. But then when you see the eighth, you're like, okay, this is going to be some detective work in figuring out just how this manifests for someone. Well, I had a chart that I read yesterday and she had a five houses, five planets in the eighth house. And she is amazing. Shout out to you, Iz. Um, (laughs) She, those planets really manifested as like a lot of obsessive thinking for her, but also because it was an Aquarius stellium in the eighth house, it was mm. like super humanitarian, like amazing values. But yeah, a lot of eight house themes around, um, yeah, around that control and and needing to trust herself, especially in relationships. So that was very interesting to see how it manifested in real life. Yeah. Okay. I've never. I don't think I've ever come across a Aquarius eight house, like a strong Aquarius mm-hmm. eight house. So that's a random one I feel Mm. yeah I think because Aquarius and Scorpio are quite are such different energies like they square each other so yeah seeing seeing those two play out together is very interesting um especially it makes sense as well because eighth house can get very emotional obviously because it's so deep but Aquarius doesn't really like getting as emotional so seeing how those two play together 
um, does like bring out the emotional side of Aquarius. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yes. Um, shall we move on to the ninth house? Yeah. So the ninth house is the house of travel, adventure, higher learning, like university learning, Mm -hmm. philosophy and religious views. So um, when people are having ninth house transits, they can often, so a transit, I should probably explain what that is. It's when, (laughs) when you're born, you have your birth chart that's set and it's, it's your birth chart for the rest of your life. So where the planets are, will be always there. Whereas when the planets are moving around your chart, they move into different houses. So um, if there's a lot of planets or a significant planet moving into your ninth house in the transits. um, So for example, I have Taurus ruling my ninth house and I currently have Uranus transiting that house. Mm -hmm. Um, And that will mean for me, it can mean like unexpected changes for travel, um, maybe shaking up like my beliefs and my philosophies um, and maybe learning like really new concepts and um, what else? I think this literally manifested when I was, (laughs) I had a trip planned to go to LA Mm -hmm. um, and then obviously with the, whole coronavirus situation that didn't happen um Mm -hmm. so that was a very like literal interpretation of uranus unexpected changes in the ninth house which is very um, that's definitely happening for you right now with and even just learning about that makes sense with uranus at the ninth house yeah um yeah someone you want to go to university or have some kind of higher education or increase the education in house transit as well. Definitely. Um, and I have a friend that has her son in the ninth house in Scorpio mm-hmm. and she is very religious. So she's a Christian mm-hmm. and religion is like very important to her and her belief in God is definitely a strong part of her identity. And the funny thing is that, she loves traveling mm-hmm. and she met her husband in Canada and then they got married in Australia and then they just recently moved back to Canada. So um, I thought that was a very ninth house. That um, is a very nice situation. Yeah. yeah. Um, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure my sister has a ninth house son as well. And she's, and I think like how that manifests is she, is so opinionated but like completely not religious in any way so I think like being on the opposite spectrum of of that like just because you have a a lot of plans you might not really drawn to religion um but you might feel quite like an opinionated person (laughs) yeah true true it doesn't have to be religious click in my head until right then. <laughs> I'm like yes oh my god she's it's like how can no one see things my way I'm not being very open-minded Lucy um I don't know if you're <laughs> <listen> to this <laughs> um anyway that's so funny I love how there's different spectrums of every placement 
Yeah. And you're right. It's the ninth house is the house of beliefs. And so Mm -hmm. it can be any belief. And Mm. for your sister, it's not necessarily religious, but it's just having strong beliefs. Totally. So that's a good uh, point to make as well. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And then we're reaching the the 10th house. So your midheaven line runs right through the top of the 10th house. So it'll be at the cusp of the 10th house. So whatever is on your midheaven rules your 10th house. Like, yes, I have. If you're using Placidus. If you're using Placidus. Oh, no, if you're using. Oh, yes, that's if you're using. Sorry. <laughs> but if you're using whole sign, it's different. But it, you know, um, if you have a zero degree, it's fine. I'll placement then. Anyway, <laughs> the 10th house is the house of career or your position in the concrete world. So if you're not super how the public sees you because it's the highest point of the chart so that's what you're going to look like from the outside world um very interesting so any kind of planets or signs you have here are really going to be strong themes for the work or public persona you have in the world Mm. it's all about taking responsibility for your role in society really and how you contribute to the world at large so in the 10th house area, we can more deeply understand a career that would suit us. Um, obviously, that depends on other aspects of the chat as well, but the 10th house for solid look or even the quality that that 10th house placement brings is the kind of quality that you would bring out into the world. Um, for example, I have a friend... Becky and she has cancer on the midheaven like me but she is a scientist so it's like totally different you wouldn't expect that but because she comes out to the world and in her work as someone that really deeply cares because cancer is very caring Mm. about the work that she does and so many other parts of her chart point to scientists um (laughs) that that is how the cancer manifests is that's kind of the way that she's acting towards her career. Um, and okay. she's like really lovely to work with as well. Cause she's so caring to other people. So yeah, that, but probably traditionally if you saw a cancer mid heaven, you'd be like, Hmm, that person could be doing some kind of caring role, but it, it definitely depends on what else is in your chart. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. And also associated with the father as well or shaping parent, which is cool. So like yeah. the qualities of that 10th house placement are going to potentially but potentially be able to like drizzle into um, how like the qualities of your dad. Or how you perceived your dad. Your dad, yeah, which yeah, that probably makes more sense because um, it is that sun more masculine, actually not sun, Capricorn, um, more masculine role. Like I, I have, say the sun's masculine. Yeah. As well. No, that's, that's true. Yeah. I have um a cancer midheaven, like I just said, and my dad is a cancer sun and he's Is he very nurturing? Super nurturing and really sensitive. Um, but he's got that Aries rising, so that's a fun combination. Um mm. <laughs> but 
does like that kind of brings it back to how that can relate to the farm. But yeah, yeah what about you? Well, I was going to say, speaking of fathers, my dad has his moon conjunct the midheaven in the 10th house in mm. Aquarius. So mm-hmm. he is super like nurtured by work and he's worked so hard his whole life, but he's nurtured by it. So it's a bit of a tricky combination because he can get kind of burnt out, but he's still mm-hmm. nurtured by work. So he has mm-hmm. to find that balance of not overworking um, because it can make him feel so comfortable to, to, mm-hmm. to overwork. But it's funny as well because the 10th house is the house of, as you were saying, like public image and he is a television host. So he is so in the public eye. <laughs> um, yes. And then it's Aquarius. So, um, you know, that's very communal as well. So it's like yeah. he's reaching the community through, um, through his shows. And there's one show that he does where he – goes um through america and it's called united plates of america and he <laughs> goes into different communities and um restaurants around america and and tastes the food and then talks to the the owners and so i think it's yeah for him it's um it's very literal yes that's cool I want... um, yeah it's, it's... A pretty cool guy. <laughs> he's a pretty cool guy i like him yeah. Um, amazing. I love how that ties in. Wow. You, did you say moon on the midheaven? Yeah, moon on the midheaven in Aquarius in the 10th. Oh, okay. That, that's such a literal interpretation as well. Wow. I know. <laughs> Very cool. Very cool. Um, did you want to go into the 11th house? I sure do. So the 11th house is the house of friendships and community and groups and the overall collective. So um, I've got a friend who has sat in the 11th house mm-hmm. and she's super friendship focused and she's also got, um, I think, oh, what else is there? Saturn. Oh, the moon as well, actually. Um, so she takes friendships really seriously and she, with Saturn there, it's like she takes a lot of responsibility for her friendships too. She, she, mm-hmm. she's the kind of friend that's, you know, if she's your friend, she really commits to being your friend. Mm-hmm. Um, and then there was another example that I wanted to say, and that was Justin Bieber. Yes. Um, Justin Bieber has Chiron in the 11th house in Virgo. Mm-hmm. And I thought it was really interesting because um, he has been very wounded by the public. Like he, um, like especially like, you know, more, mm. maybe a few years ago, there was a stage there where he was very like ridiculed by the public and um, criticized and they, they were nitpicking everything he did. Um, And I feel like that's very literal because, you know, the 11th house is the house of the collective and then, you know, his wounding is around the collective and (laughs) groups and communities. And then the Virgo aspect is like, you know, he um, he's like nitpicked and criticized, but then he's not perfect now. Yeah, exactly. And then, but now, more so recently, I've noticed that he is very doing like very humanitarian things, which is very Mm -hmm. 11th house. And um, when lockdown first started, you know, last year, Mm -hmm. I noticed that he was doing a lot of lives where he would let people 
onto the live, like just random people that requested to be on and he would just chat to them for five or 10 minutes and find out how they were doing. And um, it seems like he's got a real heart for people and helping people. And um, so I thought that was a really nice little example of the 11th house and um, Virgo is also being of service as well. So I think he has really kind of evolved that Chiron, that wound of being wounded by the public to now giving to the to the public and um, totally because that's what you have to do yeah. with Chiron you, you really need to help other people to heal your own wound which yeah. is exactly what he's doing which is yeah it's awesome yeah and I suppose anyone that has a lot of placements in the house is just going to be so people focused and so yeah humanitarian focused or friend mm. focused and just need that for them it would depend what like planet and stuff is in planet inside. Before, like especially if it was the sun or moon, that would yeah be, definitely. I feel like I need to have my friends around me. Yeah, um, which is a big shift from the eleventh to the twelfth house. Hey, I feel like that's one of the biggest jumps, um, because the twelfth house is so is so hidden and is so much around alone time as well. Yeah. Um, it's really misunderstood. It's about, yeah, the, they call it the house of the unseen, but also it relates and our imagination. Um, it's tied to spirituality and religion as well, but also government and institutions. So all these things that go unseen behind, behind the scenes, like we don't know what's happening behind the scenes in the government or they're all happening and operating around us um, or what people's spirituality or religion is unless, you know, we draw it out of them. Mm. Um, so with the 12th house, there's a feeling of wanting to keep some part of your, whatever planet's in there private. Mm. Um, so it really needs that alone time and solitude to really permit out and understand yourself and really yeah just have that time to journal and just really be away from the world for a while because it has that neptunian pisces feeling so it's it's interesting it's like universal consciousness almost um so it's tricky to explain yeah, I'd say as well. It's 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 like the psyche as well, like psyche and and mental health, and it's one of those houses that also encompasses a lot. Um, it can also be like addictions because mm-hmm. addictions are often hidden beneath the surface. Um, but how I know that you've got a Virgo moon in the twelfth house. So how does that manifest for you? Do you think? Yeah. Oh, it manifests. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's like a struggle to be able to show my emotions sometimes or be able to even understand what I'm feeling. I think mm. it's a big one and kind of overanalyze just like sitting and being able to feel it. So that's something I really need to, a lesson I really need to learn this lifetime. Yeah. Um, and yeah, I suppose it's in Virgo as well. Virgo wants to serve and wants to others and is really health conscious. And with my moon there, it's like I 
I have an emotional need to like look after my body need to be able to help in some way um but in the area of mental health and the psyche and yeah this 12 house can help more than the physical thing like a yeah the physical body more the emotional Mm. area um so it's, it's interesting a really like a deep need for me so you know, it's like it's always going to be there until I'm like really doing it. And when I do feel like I'm helping someone, it feels so good. Um, yeah. So that's really nice. House placements. Yeah, I've got Chiron in the twelfth house in Leo, mm-hmm. and this is a big thing for me. Um, mm-hmm. Saturn aspects, I think, aspects my um, this placement as well. Mm-hmm. Um, in opposition, I'm pretty sure. So. Mm-hmm. Um, for me, the way that that manifests is I, so Chiron is the wounded healer and being in Leo, there's definitely wounds around being seen and like mm-hmm. performance and um, being, being, I guess, um, in the limelight as well. Mm-hmm. Like when I was a kid, I used to love like performing and dancing and singing and um, then I got to a certain age where I just was like, no, I can't be seen anymore. And I just felt really insecure. Um, so there's a wound around that. There's a wound around being seen, um, and being in the limelight, but it's interesting because it's in the 12th house. So it's even deeper because it's, you know, it's the hidden, it's, it's Mm. my, it's me wanting to hide. So it's me wanting to hide the part of myself that is, wanting to be seen so it's like this push this pull and push between I want to be seen I want to um, have creative expression yeah but then it's like my my you know the pathways in my brain and my yes. my psyche are like no that's not safe and yes. yeah yeah I think Chiron is a really karmic I mean the whole chart's karmic but really like there was probably something in a past life that made you not be able to be to be seen um yeah for you to be able to express yourself in that creative way. And now Definitely. now we need to work past those blocks for our soul's health and well-being. <laughs> um, it's really interesting to learn your, your Chiron placement, everyone. It really shines onto why you have these insecurities in your life. You're like, well, I don't even understand why I have these insecurities. Yeah, like, it's so... <laughs> It's just so accurate too. Like everyone, mm-hmm. every reading that I do, and I mentioned the Chiron, everyone's mm-hmm. always like, "Oh, that makes so much sense." Yeah, you've hit the nail on the head with that one. Yeah, for sure. But yes, that that twelfth house placement, always being unreachable, because um, it's so hidden. After to work out, really. Yeah, I feel like maybe the 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 power of the 12th house is bringing things to the surface. So it's like no matter mm-hmm. how tempting it, it is to um, stay hidden, it's like, it's no, pushing yourself. Because you've got to. Yeah, you keep going. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> um, you've got to like, yeah, pull, pull that to the surface. Otherwise, it just, yeah, it won't be. It depends what the planets are as well. But like, you know, in my example with Chiron there, it's like, my true true healing and you know 
blossoming into helping other people will be in addressing that wound and bringing that wound to the surface and pushing myself out of my comfort zone and being seen. Yes. Yes. Okay. You, I couldn't have said it better. That's, that's amazing. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, Chloe. Awesome. Good job. Um, I think we will finish it off because we have done all the houses now. Yeah. Um, our recording cut off earlier, so we have redone that bit, but <laughs> we, I think we did well. I think that, all makes sense. Hope I think it'll all flow together. Yeah, I think so too. Yeah. Um, thank you so much, Chloe. Um, I, as always, love spending this time with you and I'm looking forward to doing more of these. You as well. Okay, see you later. Bye. Bye.